0: Thank you, Pastor John, for the prayer. Appreciate that. So, it's good to be here with you all this morning. And a few weeks ago, when I filled the pulpit at another church, that church always has me share about the ministry, give an update about the ministry before I share the word. And I thought, why don't I ever do that here? So,. I ask the, the leaders if they mind if I do that. And so I'll just give you a brief update on some things going on in the ministry. And if you don't know, I serve as a full-time chaplain in the local Tulare County Jails with Good News Jail and Prison Ministry. So first, I want to thank you, Abounding Grace Church, for your faithful support over, for over 20 years. AGC has been the, the, the foundation, the, the platform from which I started from in this ministry, and you guys have always been there, and I really appreciate you. So thank you. So what's new is we have a new chaplain. So praise the Lord. Um, His name is Justin Cass. He's a local guy, and he started as an informal intern while he was finishing up his education, and he started July 1st here just um, just the beginning of this month. So we're thankful to have him. He's a very humble man and well-skilled in this work. He, he loves working with the people in custody. And our chaplain assistants love this guy because they've seen his heart for the people. So quick update on the volunteer situation. Things are opening up more now. Um, we're having to rebuild some volunteer infrastructure and so there's decisions having to be made about scheduling and grouping volunteers and various things. So it's a it's a little overwhelming at times with everything else. So please uh, keep me in prayer with regards to that. Um, and we're also in need of more Bible lesson readers. It seems like we're always needing people to help us with the, the the essays on the Bible lesson. But we have older folks that are slowly not being able to do that anymore. So we need help for people to step up. And and so if you could keep that in prayer as well. So a quick story. A few weeks ago, a gospel conversation I had with one young man. It's with a, a guy who never heard the gospel before. I've been running into more people who've never heard the gospel before these last couple of years than, than ever before. So I took my time with him to go through the gospel with him and and he indicated that he was ready to put his trust in Christ. So these moments are what we live for. These moments of these times when we can share the gospel and they want to hear it. They, they want to learn. And so as he was responding to the gospel, he just had a real glow of joy about him. And so when we got done, I was getting called back. I was walking by the cell doors and... One of the guys who was asleep that I passed by, he was knocking on his door say, Hey, chaplain, come back here. So I came back to um, talk to him. And so I came back and I walked by this guy's cell who, who put his trust in Christ. He was at the glass door with a big smile on his face. And I asked him how he was doing, how he was feeling. He, he just said, I'm excited. So it was just neat to see how the gospel had given him a new hope. It's one of the joys that I, I wish I could have a video camera for you all to be able to see those times. It's just a real joy to see. So, and thank you for being a part of, of this ministry. And, and so, okay, so let's turn our attention now to the sermon. The title of the sermon is, Wait for the Lord. Sometimes when I do ministry in the jails, I see certain patterns and themes that really stick out. And then I like to share them for the benefit of the church. And this is why I chose to bring you this today. Because one of the themes that people in custody struggle with is waiting. Every day they have to wait for their turn to get out of their cell or to go to yard. The only time they can call home or take a shower is when they get out of their cell. So they wait for that. They have to wait for formal requests to get answered. They have to wait for each court date. And sometimes when they go, it's a dry run. Nothing progresses forward, and so they have to go back again. And then some of these guys have to wait for years for the court to get resolved. And some of them have to wait over 10 years. It takes that long with some of those high-profile cases. And if they believe in Christ then they are waiting to learn God's will in their situation. And sometimes they get the question, why isn't God answering my prayers? I keep praying and seeking him about it, but he's not answering. Have you ever thought that same thing? Why isn't God answering my prayers? Oftentimes, God has us wait for our prayers to be answered. So, this is what we're going to consider this morning waiting for the Lord. And the people in custody aren't the only ones who struggle with this, right? Many of us also struggle with waiting for the Lord as well. So, how did I come about thinking of this theme for a sermon? So, a few years ago, I began noticing in my Bible, in my Bible reading time, this theme of waiting. And it's not just in a few places, it's everywhere throughout the Bible. Waiting for the Lord is a strong theme in Scripture. And then, as I was doing ministry, I saw how this encouraged those in custody. So, I thought I would share this with you in hopes to encourage you in your faith. So, let's begin by first taking a look at some significant examples of waiting in the Bible. I'm just going to share a few with you briefly. First, Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years to have a son after God promised them a son. Joseph had to wait 13 years from when he was first sold into slavery until he was brought up out of prison to be the second ruler in Egypt. The Israelites had to wait in Egypt 430 years before returning to claim the land that God had promised them. And in the last somewhere 100, 120 years of that 430 period of time, they had to endure being subject to brutal, oppressive slavery. And David himself waited 15 years from the time he was anointed king until he became king. And during the last several years of his waiting, he was persecuted and on the run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And an even bigger picture than that is, all of creation itself has been waiting since the human race fell into sin. And it is still waiting. So the point is, God often has his people wait. Why? Why does God have us wait? I'd like to share with you three reasons. These are not exhaustive, but they are important. And these are three fill-ins in the note, note sheet there, if, you're, if you'd like to fill those out. The first reason, God himself is waiting. God waits better than anyone else ever could. An example is Second Peter three nine. Now, if you notice in your bulletin, there's a a, a scripture sheet that's printed out with all the scriptures we're going to go over today. This is a topical sermon, so this is for efficiency, so we can all look at the scriptures together as I go through this. So it's available for you if you'd like to use that. So Second Peter three nine, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, if you know the context here, it has to do with God waiting for people to come to faith in Christ before Jesus returns. Many of the early Christians expected Jesus to return in their day. But he had not yet returned. And so the question was, why hasn't he come yet? So Peter told them, because God is patiently waiting, Jesus has not yet returned so that more people will, become, more people will come to repentance and faith in him. So just a caveat here. I'm not suggesting that God is waiting, twiddling his thumbs because he can't do anything. I'm not saying that. God's waiting is purposeful. It's part of His plan. So God Himself is waiting. A second reason God has us wait, waiting brings God glory. Well, how so? Waiting brings God glory because God is accomplishing His plan in His time and his way. The scriptures that support this initially are all the scriptures that speak to the fact that God, God does everything for his glory. But we can also deduce this same truth from the story of Jesus in John chapter 11 when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. That was the story in the scripture reading today. Jesus was a close friend with Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. What happened is, Lazarus gets really sick, and even though Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick, he intentionally waited. He did not come. Well, as the story continues, he did come, but he arrived four days after Lazarus died. And both sisters were really hurting they were even wondering why didn't Jesus didn't make their family a priority. And in her grief, Mary even said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then as the story moves to a climax, they head out to the grave site and Jesus tells them to roll away the stone. Martha warns, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Then Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. The point is, Jesus waited and he made the sisters of Lazarus wait, so that they and everyone there would see the glory of God. So waiting brings God glory. The third, we, the third reason, waiting for the Lord is for our good. Lamentations 3:25 through 26 The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seek, seeks him it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord Another way that it is good to wait for the Lord is because waiting for the waiting makes our faith stronger it's good because it makes our faith stronger isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 but they who wait for the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint another way that it is good to wait for the lord is because Waiting for the Lord during trials provides opportunity for God to do His work in our hearts. James chapter 1, verses 2-4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now the idea of steadfastness in this context is rich. The believer who remains steadfast is someone who is patiently waiting without compromising his faith. A steadfast person does not compromise his core values. I remember our our pastor teach once uh, where it says, let steadfastness have its full effect. That it means cooperate with the trial. I found that to be very helpful. Don't fight against it. Cooperate with it. And God will do his work in your heart. And you know, we don't have to know exactly how God is using the trial to get benefit from it. One of the things I've struggled with over the years is I want to have something to hold on to. I want to be able to see some good that God is doing through the trial in my life while I'm going through it so I can trust Him. But what I learned is that I don't need to know exactly what God's doing in this trial. I just need to rest in the fact that He is doing His work in my life, whether I understand it or not. One of the things that Lord impressed on my heart this morning, I thought I should share with you too, that for some reason, when we go through trials, our, one of the default responses is, To think we is to to default into a kind of a legalistic framework. Okay, the reason this is happening is because somehow I made God mad. Somehow I screwed up and God's not happy with me. That can be a legalistic framework that we default to. Now I'm not saying don't reflect. Maybe God is disciplining you. Maybe, maybe there are things to reflect on. But our default shouldn't be legalism. Our default should be grace. Our default should be to trust in the Lord. Even though we don't understand. And trust in His grace and love for us. So to summarize, a few reasons why God has us wait. Wait. God himself waits. Waiting brings God glory. And waiting is for our good. Now please take note. Waiting for the Lord is not optional. God commands us to wait for him. I found ten places in the Bible where we are commanded to wait for God. An example is Psalm 2714. Wait for the Lord... Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, have you ever noticed that the New Testament just assumes waiting as a normal part of the Christian life? Have you noticed that? Romans 8.23, for example. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And Galatians 5, 5, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So the New Testament assumes waiting as a normal part of the Christian life. Now, many things make waiting hard. Now, this is a fill-in in the note sheet, if you like to do that. Many things make waiting hard. It's hard to wait. One reason has to do with the culture we live in. Our culture here in the United States is one of immediate gratification. Interesting, it used to be when when I was a kid, we could order toys and clothes in a thick catalog book. We loved looking through those as kids, and we'd send in the order by mail, and we'd get the items in two weeks. Now, you can order something online and get it the next day, and sometimes even the same day. As a culture, we don't want to wait. This is also why many people get into all kinds of Debt. Because they want what they want now and they don't want to wait to save for it. So waiting is difficult. It's difficult because of our culture of immediate gratification. Another reason that can make waiting very difficult is perpetual suffering. Suffering that never seems to end and some of you are experiencing this now perpetual suffering this kind of suffering consumes the mind and we can become desperate to try to find a solution to our suffering so god bless you who are enduring this kind of thing and it's tough and it becomes very difficult to wait doesn't it So are you having trouble waiting for the Lord? You're not alone. We all struggle with it. Now there are two things that are absolutely necessary as we seek to wait for the Lord. A couple more fillings coming. First is hope. We need hope. If you're going to wait, you need to have a reason for waiting. Why do you wait in the line at the grocery store? It's so you can pay for your items so you can take them home. Why do you wait in line for the restroom? There's a reason. The point is, we don't wait for no reason. Hope is, Is the reason we wait. And so if you're going to wait for the Lord, we need to have a reason to wait, and that reason is hope. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 through 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And God has given us hope. He has given us the hope of eternal life through believing in our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose again from the dead. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know that you have eternal life? All the problems we face in this life, what are all those things compared to eternal life? Most of the time, our problem is simply perspective. And this is the right perspective Our problems are temporary, but eternal life is forever. Please consider the following scriptures, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which god who never lies promised before the ages began 1 john 5:11 and this is the this is the testimony that god gave us eternal life and this life is in his son And God has an amazing future planned for us. I love how it is written in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband For the former things have passed away. Now that is hope. And remember, our suffering is temporary. And most of you know that very few Christians have ever suffered like the Apostle Paul in the Bible. Most of you know his story. Paul suffered a lot. And yet notice the reason why Paul was able to endure all that he endured in Romans chapter eight eighteen. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see this? No matter what our suffering, it's worth enduring it's worth patiently waiting for the Lord he has given you eternal life so the point is God has given us hope and this hope is why we wait for the Lord So we need hope. Second thing we need in order to wait for the Lord is grace. We need God's grace. As was mentioned, few Christians have ever suffered like the Apostle Paul. And even with all that he suffered, God still gave him. What Paul himself calls a thorn in the flesh. Let's see this in Second Corinthians chapter twelve verses seven through ten. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. persecutions and calamities for when I am weak then I am strong you see the point Paul had to rely on God's grace and God supplied him with the grace that he needed to endure and God's grace was so effective that Paul could say that he was actually stronger because of it, because of the sword in the flesh and God's grace to him with it. He was actually stronger. So we need God's grace in order to wait for the Lord and remember to pray for the Lord for his grace. Pray and ask God to give you grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 say, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So pray and ask the Lord for grace. And as you seek to wait upon the Lord, as you struggle to endure, remember the hope that God has given you. And remember to rely on the grace of God to get you through. Now, I want to return again to the theme of hope, that hope is necessary to wait for the Lord. And God's Word is full of hope. The Bible is saturated with hope. That's why you need to be reading it every day, all the time, because it's saturated with hope. But all hope must begin with putting our trust in Jesus Christ. That's the last fill-in. All hope must begin with putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Well, why must hope begin with Jesus? Well, to understand why Jesus is necessary, we have to remember why why our world is such a mess to begin with. Why there is pain and suffering here on this earth. It goes back to when the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. You remember the story? Remember also that God gave them a command to not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of good and evil. He said, you can eat of all the trees. They're all open to you. Just don't eat of this one. And guess what they did? They ate of the one tree they weren't supposed to. They disobeyed God. They sinned. And their sin brought death to all humanity. Their sin brought suffering and pain into this world. And guess what? We are just as guilty as they were. We also have sinned against God. And if this life of suffering and hardship isn't bad enough, our own sin condemns us. All of us stand guilty before God. As it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, And the whole world may be held accountable to God. So we are all guilty before God. I believe it's Romans 3.23 that also says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. So this is why Jesus, Jesus who is the eternal Son of God, he is God the Son. This is why He came to this earth. He came to rescue us and deliver us from sin and from the consequences of it. He rescued us by dying for us as it says in Romans 5.8. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. And in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Who is the righteous? Jesus. Jesus is the righteous. Who is the unrighteous? We are. We are the unrighteous. Again, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered... Once for sins, the righteous, Jesus, in place of the unrighteous, us, that he might bring us to God. You see, Jesus took our place and he satisfied the justice of God. And did Jesus stay in the grave? Nope. he rose from the dead. He conquered death. So Jesus rescued us. He took care of our sin problem by dying for us. He took care of death by his resurrection and one day he will raise us from the dead as well. And in the future, he will give us an eternity with him in the new heavens and new earth where there will be no more suffering. This is why Jesus is the answer. He has given us hope for a future where there will be no more suffering. Do you believe this? Will you receive Jesus As your Lord and Savior? If you haven't done so yet, will you receive Jesus? Will you receive our Lord Jesus today? Will you join His church and be a part of His people? Jesus calls the church His body, He is the head. And you can't be connected to the head without being a part of the body. What if I take my finger and I cut it off and I take it and throw it over there? My finger wouldn't be good for anything. Anymore. It wouldn't be good for anything. It definitely wouldn't work anymore. So don't be like that Finger. Cut off. So the point is, if we get Jesus, we get his family also. We get his church. So come to Jesus, believe in him, and join his people. And you will have hope, a real hope that's worth waiting for. Again, this is the hope that Jesus gives us. One day, we will live with him for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. No more suffering, no more pain with our Lord Jesus forever. So no matter what happens, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. One day he will receive you into his eternal dwelling. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this hope you've given us, this grand plan of salvation. That's from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible that you rescue us. Jesus, thank you for being the hero in this story, that you intervened and you rescued us. Thank you for dying for our sins and rising from the dead. Thank you for giving us this glorious hope. And I pray for any here who are hearing this message, if they don't know you, that you would you would draw them, you you would light this fire in their heart that they wouldn't leave today without putting their trust in you. Draw them to yourself. And I pray for anyone here who is undergoing a sense of perpetual suffering. May your grace abound to them to encourage them and give them endurance to persevere and to hold on and trust in you as they wait upon you. And may we all wait upon you and look forward to the blessed hope and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord in song.